Father, we love you. We're grateful that you've always got something planned next for us. And Father, we've been here all morning. I pray you just strengthen our bodies, focus our minds, keep our spirits tuned to the wavelength of the Holy Ghost. And, sir, we'll do our part in that, and you help us in doing what we're unable to do. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, I'm going to pick it up a little bit because I want to get to a certain place. So I'm going to try to stay anchored a little bit. I won't succeed, but I'll try. I'm not even going to review. Um, I'm just going to launch into what's next. So we're, we're talking about what you must overcome to move to next. Failing to move by faith in God's integrity exclusively. If I do not move by faith in God's integrity exclusively, I'll never move to next. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing where he went. Most of the time, or let me say, much of the time, and I think sometime most of the time, you will not know what next holds. So when you move to next, it's an act of faith. But it's not only an act of faith, it's an act of faith in God's integrity alone. What do I mean by that? I don't see what next is. God hadn't revealed to me what next is. I, don't, I can't plan everything out what next is. I know God is just moving me from here to here, and I'm going to take out a step of faith based on I trust Him. If you take notes, you might want to write this down. The highest level of faith is trust. The highest level of faith is trust. Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. He just moved on the basis of God's integrity. We tend to move on questions like this. Who's going with me? How will I get there? When will I arrive? Where will it be? Why am I going to next? How much will it cost me? We have a lot of analytical questions. I have a real analytical mind. It's a blessing and a curse. Because God wants to use the analysis of your mind or he wouldn't give it to you. But there are some decisions you have to make that you can't write down in the computer. It doesn't match. You can't figure it out. You come to a dead end. It doesn't work. The formula doesn't work. Two plus two is not equaling four. And so now all of a sudden, his ways are higher than my ways, and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts, but I know he's telling me to move to next, and I don't even understand why, and I don't know how I'm going to get there, and I can't pay for it when I arrive, and I don't know why. I don't know, but I know whom I have believed. And he's saying move to next, and it is that time that you have to move exclusively on his integrity. I mean, really, faith is the substance of things hoped for. And it's the evidence of things that you can't see. This does not make sense to me. I can't see it. When the Lord started telling me to have megas, and we'll have between 
six to eight of them along with my church meetings, along with my conferences and the gathering of eagles and the TV stuff that I do. Next, next year we'll do six to eight megas across the United States and then in Whistler and uh, maybe even in, maybe in eastern Canada too. We'll see. But it didn't make sense to meet with, with you know, a small group of protégés together in or you could meet with a, a large group in a larger church, and you could do this, you could do that. It doesn't, you know, you know what I mean? It doesn't, the analysis doesn't make, but I knew the Lord was saying do it. So I launched out, and we began to do it. And now it's one of the most, it's the greatest, one of the greatest blessings of my life. I love them. I just absolutely love them. But you have to go move exclusively on its integrity. John 10, 4 and 5 when he put it forth his own, talking about the good shepherd. I understand somebody's preached about that recently. When he put it forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow them, follow him, the good shepherd Jesus. Why do they follow? For they know his voice. Notice what it does not say. They follow him because they know where he is going. They follow him because they're sure everything will be good. No. They follow him because they know his voice, and he said to follow. It's only based on knowing his voice. And a stranger they will not follow, but they'll flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Numbers 23, 19 is one of my favorite verses in the whole Scripture. God is not a man that he should lie. And that's been very, very good during the presidential election. I have never in my life... Honestly, I mean, if you're going to be a liar, be a good one. Don't insult my intelligence with pre-K level lies. Gee. Move on, Mike. God is not, not a man or woman that he or she should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Why have I followed the Lord in ministry 49 years? Why am I going to follow him the rest of my life? Because he never lied to me. Not once. Not once. Not one time. Boy, a lot of other people have. I've lied to myself. Come on, don't act like you got your halo on straight. <laughs> Sometimes it's not on straight because of the horns. They haven't all left yet. <laughs> Still got some horns we got to get rid of, you know. Never said that before either. That's another tweet. Ought to tweet that. Some of you believers, halos are off, are not on straight because there's still some horns left. <laughs> 2 Timothy 1.12, for the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded he is able to keep what I've committed to him against that day. The degree of his keeping is determined by the degree of your committing. The degree of his keeping you as you move to next will be determined by how willing you are to commit it all to him. And your willingness to commit it all to him will be based on one thing. Do you believe exclusively in his integrity? 
I do. I believe he won't lie to me. I believe he won't lead me into a pathway of, of, that's wrong. I don't believe if I ask him for an egg, he's going to give me a scorpion. I don't believe if I ask him for bread, he's going to give me a stone. I believe he's a good, good father. I believe, I believe he's a wonderful Lord. I believe in his integrity. There's a lot of times when I'm, in fact, most of the time, most of the time when God gives major transitions in my life, I can't put it in a mind map. I can't, I don't have the answers. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. I don't know how I'm going to have enough time. I don't know how I'm going to have the right personnel. This isn't working. But you said to do it. So I'm going to launch out. And when I get to the place where I can't, you will. When I get to the place I don't have the money, you'll provide it. When I get to the place the personnel isn't there, you'll provide new personnel. When I get to the place I don't have the wisdom, you'll give it to me. But you won't until I get there. You can have a lot of territory if you'll go walk in it. But you got to walk in it before I'll give it to you. Well, I'd really rather you just give it to me. I'll go walk in it. Now, you got to go walk in it. There's giants there. Walk in it amongst them. Well, why don't you bump them off? It'll be easier. I'll go then. No. You got to go to the territory. Got to walk in it. Next. Not recognizing you're qualified for next. Not recognizing you're qualified for next. What, what you have to overcome to move to next. You have to overcome the, fee, the lack of recognition that if you were not qualified to go to next, God wouldn't be taking you there. Now, I don't have a lot of time to teach on this because I may teach on this tonight. Your poor self-image. Your wrong self-portrait. Many of you have heard me teach on the law of the self-portrait. God's always changing people's names in the Bible. Why? He's trying to get them to see who they are from his perspective. He finds Gideon in a wine press, scared to death of Midianites. Gideon's name means a cutter of wood, a woodcutter. He changes his name into something even Gideon couldn't pronounce. I mean, it's so long, I'm not even going to try. I could do it phonetically, but whatever. It's a long name. He says, now your name shall be. And it means, in the Hebrew it means, he who challenges Baal to come out and fight. He who confronts Baal. Woodcutter. He who calls demons out to fight. He changes. He's got to change your self-portrait. What do you call your brother, Andrew? Oh, we call him Reed. We call his, his name is Reed. I don't call him Reed. I call him Rock. Thou art Peter, Petros, Rock. You're a rock. You're rocky. I don't call you Jacob. I call you Israel. Why? You can't go to next until I change your self-image. Because as long as you're a woodcutter, you'll never call demons out to fight. So i got to change your image. I don't know if the Lord will let me preach on this tonight. you got to know who you are. 
You got to know who you are. You got the, you got the video? I'm going to show it. I'm going to show it. Now, before we show this video, I've been talking about change. So now some of you that are older and some of you that are very white, <laughs> hang on <laughs> and listen to the words of this video. Listen, don't, don't look at it and say, wow, wow, they're doing that. They're dancing and stuff. So, oh. Just, just, I want you to listen to the words. I could have played the video that just had the words, but I like the shock value. So, I think if we had, it may be the video just had the words. I don't know what we have. But I want you to hear this in the light of self-portrait. I know who I am.
I love it. I know who I am. Big problem in the church is a lot of the church know who he is. They just don't know who they are. Serious as I can be. Do you know you're holy? Do you know you're righteous? Do you know you're children of the living God? Do you know you're ambassadors for Christ? Do you know you're the sons of God? Do you know that? Do you know that you're more than conquerors? Do you know God is for you? Nobody can stand against you. Do you know you're the light of the world? Do you know you're the salt of the earth? I know who I am. I hope that gets in you. Tomorrow morning, Apostle Nelson's going to dance to that. Get on the phone. Call everybody. Tell them. <laughs> Woo! I love that song. I know. Huh? You can do it. You can do it. I'll do it with you. But at DDA's church, they sing that in worship. They, they sing it in praise and worship. And they were singing that thing, and they've got, and number one, they've got the French accent, and then some of them have got Ivory Coast accent, Congo accent, Nigerian accent, so it's, you know. And, but I just kept seeing, hearing, I know who I am. And I said, I want to hear that. And, and I've got another video that shows the words. So I don't know if you caught all the words, but it's powerful. I know who I am, who God says I am. I know who I am, walking in faith, walking in miracle. No, walking in, I forget the first word. What? Yeah, it, that is walking in, walking in power, walking in miracles. I live a life of favor. I know who I am. So, Brother Mike, now listen to most religious people in the church world. I know who I am. I'm a sinner. Say buggeries. They don't know who they are. They're good people. They're safe. They just don't know who they are. They're still woodcutters. God's filled them with power to call bail out to fight and win. But they're in a hole of religion. They don't know who they are. You ever know who you are? Hallelujah. 
That video's done something to my feet. <laughs> you, <laughs> you know who you are? When you find out who you are, you're not a slave. You're not even just a servant. You're not even just a citizen. You're a son of the living God. You have an inheritance, uncorrupted, undefiled, reserved for you. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in your mortal body. I know who I am. And all of a sudden, you want the devil to begin to tremble? Oh, well, in the name of Jesus, yeah, and knowing who you are, I know who I am. And you're going to have to be convinced of this. I may preach on this tonight if the Lord will let me, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on to get the next thing. But you've got to know who you are. You gotta know. And you don't get arrogant about it because it's the grace of God that made you that way. But there's a verse, and I'll go to the next point. There's a verse that we only have read one way in the church and at least in America, and you can speak for Canada. But here's the way we read this verse. Here's the emphasis. I am what I am. By the grace of God. And the only thing we've seen in that verse is if I'm anything at all, poor me. If I'm anything at all, it's because of God's grace. Amen. I agree. How about reading it this way? I am what I am by the grace of God. Because God's people don't know who they are. I tell you, if there's anything that's hitting me, big time, apostles, we don't know who we are. We want to stay in humility so bad we've got into stupidity, which is a blend of stupid and humility. I'm nobody. No, you're an heir of God. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I know, but without him, I can do nothing. You're not without him. He said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And he said, with me, all things are possible. I can do how many things? All things through Christ who strengthened me. So I don't get in arrogance, but I know who I am. <laughs> walking in miracles, walking in power. I live a life of favor. I know who I am. I can almost hear the devil saying, don't know that song. Don't know that song. Don't know that song. And I can guarantee you, I can get up and preach on it with a quadruple anointing in whatever church I'm in, and 50% of them won't believe you. At least 50% won't believe it. They won't believe it. They won't believe it. They are absolutely convinced that the only thing the blood of Jesus could do is keep them out of hell. Demons aren't a problem. Religion is. Religion that has taught you you're a nobody. Religion who has taught you you're a nothing. Religion is when the Word of God is... How many can tell? I may preach on this later. When the Word of God is... All through the New Testament in telling us what He is grace did for us 
to know who we are. Because if you don't know who you are, you'll never think you're qualified for next. You'll always think he's qualified for next. Somebody else may be qualified, but not me, not me, not I'm no, I'm no. But when you find out who you are, I'm blessed, I'm favored, I'm anointed, I'm a carrier, I'm a carrier, I'm infected with favor. I'm infected with favor. You ought to believe you have so much favor that when people get around you, they'll get favored. I was in a church recently. I mean, I get off this point, but anyway. I was in a church recently, and I didn't even preach on favor. I, I preached on harvest or something. And, and a lady came up to me after service and said, Boy, while you were preaching, the Lord just laid on my heart to to sow a seed into, into pastor. I want to sow a seed of honor into, into the pastor here. I said, well, that's fine. I said, I can arrange for you to meet him. And uh, in this church, they come and get me when they're dismissing. Uh, they have what they call armor bearers, and the armor bearers will come and get me and, and lead me out. And the reason they do that is because, and I don't even necessarily like that, but they have to because the church is full. And if, I don't, if they don't get me out, you know, there'll be a few hundred people that are trying to, you know, they, everybody wants me to pray for them, and that's fine. I'd stay and pray, but they don't want me to do that. And everything's fine. So they take me out, and I motion to the woman like that, and I said, come with us. We go into the pastor's office, and long story short, she walks in, and she says, I already have a car. My father just passed away, and I've inherited this new Chrysler 200, and the Holy Spirit just wanted me to give it to you and your family. Here are the keys. And, and the pastor's like, oh. And then she said, oh, too, my father has a, a beach house in New Brunswick, you know, in Eastern Canada has a beach house, and I'm going to give you a key to that, too, so you can use the beach house whenever you want. And we, he takes me out to eat, and he looks at me, and he goes, I can't wait for you to come back to my church. <laughs> he, he says, he says, can you come back next year to my church? I said, what? He said, when I get around you, I get favored. That doesn't mean it's me. It's not me anyway. The Lord could have spoken to her and probably would have whether I was there or not. So I don't, don't ever think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. That's not the major problem in the church. The problem in the church is thinking of ourselves too low. You're a carrier of favor. You're infected with it, and you're contagious, and you're spreading the favor of God, the grace of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, the power of God. I'm trying to change your picture of you because you can't move to next when you don't recognize who you are. You're qualified for next. Oh, boy, no, I really like to stay there, but I got to quit. We got to go. That's, I can only get so far. Don't turn off on me, iPad Pro. Having your identity wrapped in something, in what you do rather than whose you are. I got to hurry on this, but God will never place your identity in something you can lose because he wants, doesn't want you looking into a mirror wondering who you are. 
What does that mean? Let me use my calling as an example. I wish the sneeze that is attempting would go ahead and manifest. Okay, stay there. I knew it was a rebellious sneeze. A lot of preachers, I'll use my calling, a lot of preachers' identity is wrapped up in what they do, not in whose they are. So if they no longer can do, or if God transitions them into doing something else, other than what their ministry is used to doing, they don't know who they are. So they never let go and move to next. Apostle Nelson, you are a prototype of an ability to know that your identity is not in what you do, but in whose you are. Or you would have never... And I talk about you in a lot of places where I go, and it's good. <laughs> you would have never transitioned pastoral leadership into him and into him. Because if your identity was in that, you would have never let it go. But his identity wasn't in that. It was in whose he was. Now, does he still have leadership here? Sure, he's the father of the house. Sure, sure, always, always, always. But he's moving into what's next. So we're going to Kelowna Monday. And, and he's going to have apostolic ministry to other leaders. He would have never gone to what's next in his life if his identity of who he was was what he had done only in this church. Come on, anybody grabbing this? I know I've gone a long time to do it, and we're about ready to let you go. Anybody grabbing this? When I started out when I was young, I was exclusively a revivalist. But I wouldn't be mentoring leaders today if I wasn't willing to let that go. I can't steal second with my foot on first. Good is the enemy to better. Better is the enemy to best. Best is the enemy to excellence. I have to let it go. Does God still use me as a revivalist? Yes, but not primarily. Now I, I teach. How many have noticed in these sessions it really hasn't been about just, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. Somebody shout, hallelujah, jump at the baptistry. Y'all are wondering now. Google, Google jump in the baptistry. Not now. I appreciate your willingness to follow an instruction. I saw it immediately. Not now. Well, you'll get a kick out of it. And I'm not making fun of them. I think those were, I think those were men who love God. They just, that was their culture, and they just, I mean, i got to admire a man, a man that will get so caught up in, in it that he'll, Google it. 
But you have to, your identity can't be wrapped up in that. And, and now I use my calling as an example, but listen, you can't, whatever you're doing, that's why some people retire and die in three months. Now, some people die in three months because it's God's time to take them home, so I'm not criticizing that. But some people just die quick because their identity has been wrapped up in what they do. And when they're no longer doing it, they don't know who they are. And if you don't know who you are, you just say, why am I here? And why I might as well just, I just might as well go and be with Jesus. I got to close, so let me close with this. I didn't get through everything, but that's okay. We got through what God wanted us to get through. Amen? I was in West Plains, Missouri years ago, and uh, we were in revival, and really I was serving as a revivalist in that meeting, and we were having great crowds, and the place was packed every night, and I was preaching, and we were having great altar calls and great moves of the river of God, miracles, and people getting saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and great things were happening, and I preached a message, and I came down. I was praying for people in the altars, and the altars were full. And the people didn't want to leave, and they were staying in the altars. And other people were working in the altars. And the Lord kind of released me from the altars, and I, I was sweaty. And I walked into the pastor's office. And I raised both hands up to heaven, and I, I said something that I meant as praise. I said this, I said, oh, Father, thank you for the ministry. Thank you for the joy of ministering to your people. Thank you for the ministry, Lord. I don't know what I'd do without it. And I didn't mean financially. I don't know what I'd do financially without the ministry. I'm not in the ministry because I'm too stupid to do something else. That's not why I'm in the ministry. But what I meant was, it's such a blessing to me, and I, I thank you for the honor. And boy, it sounded right to me. You know. Have you ever said something to the Lord that you really thought was he'd really like? <laughs> and he really didn't. And I said, I thank you for the ministering to your people, the joy of ministering to your people. I don't know what I'd do without it. And I heard the voice of the Lord as clear as I've ever heard it. And you know what he said? He said, Michael, I would like to think that I would be enough for you. Blew that up. And then he said to me, Michael, what if I told you that tonight was the last night I want you to preach? Thank you for your service, but no more. I got this quiet. And I, I fell on my face before God on carpet. I think it was green. I'm remembering it. I fell on my face before God. I said, oh, God, what have I done to offend you? What have I done to grieve you? How have I messed up? So sorry. Give me a chance here. <laughs> Boy. And the Lord in his grace and his kindness said to me, I didn't say I didn't want you to preach more. I ask you hypothetically. I ask you, what would you think if 
I said, I don't want you to preach anymore. I'm not through with you, Michael. I'm not half through with you. I'm trying to teach you something here. I said, Lord, I said, wow, I don't know what I would do. I said, I love your people. I love your word. Ministering to your people is so special to me. I just, I don't know what I'd do. And he said again, I would like to think I would be enough for you. And then he said, when your ministry becomes your identity, it'll become an idol and I'll have to destroy it. And then he said this. I don't tell this many places where I go. He said, Michael, would you rather have a great ministry or would you like to walk with me? <laughs> and I said, well, that's no choice. I'd rather walk with you. And he said, good. Now you can have both. Having your identity wrapped in what you do rather than who you are. So why can I, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27. So why can I get up and pour out for a morning to 27 people? Like I would to 2,700. Because my identity, 28. <laughs> because my identity is not wrapped up in what I do. Oh, come on, grab this. This will be the last thing I'll give you this morning. So grab it, okay? My identity is not wrapped up in how many people are in front of me. The place is full today. See a lot of brown chairs. Angels are in every one. They love my teaching. Preachers, let me help you with this. Pastors, let me help you with this. Small group leaders, let me help you with this. If the crowd isn't as big as you wanted it to be, picture the angels that are sitting here. Ten-foot-tall angels going, oh, God. I've been with him for 49 years. He gets better every time. Isn't he great? Wow, whoo, never heard this before, wow. Say, Brown, you're crazy. Don't rehabilitate me, I'm happy. <laughs> the problem is, number one, we don't know who we are. And if we get that fixed, then we mess it up by tying it to what we do instead of whose we are. I belong to him. He loves me. He knows the worst about me. Loves me. Brother Mike, do you have some worst? Yeah. What is it? None of your stinking business. Is it terrible? You would think it wasn't. You, you might think. But he's always messing with me. Because he loves me so much. And he's saying, you got it. really ought to tweak this, Mike. You need to fix this a little. I told that to one of my protégés not long ago, and he looked at me, and he said, wow. 
You're 64. He's still messing with you? I said, every day. He said, when does that stop? I said, when you die or Jesus comes. Until then, he's going to be conforming you to the image of the Son of God and moving you to next and moving you to next. So, did you all receive anything this morning? Hallelujah. Well, I feel like I've talked to eagles this morning. And for those of you that will be listening by means of CD, you weren't here this morning, you couldn't be here this morning, and later you'll be listening on CDs and you're listening to my voice right now, you need to know who you are. And don't wrap your identity in what you do. Don't ever do it. Don't ever do it. What if you can't teach anymore? What if they lay you off? Not that they're, this isn't a prophetic word. <laughs> what if you can't be the teacher anymore? What if the Lord changes everything? I'm just using her for an example. This isn't a specific thing. We all get older. Things change in life. God takes us into the next season. And if my identity is wrapped up in what I did in the last season, I'm, I'm probably going to be miserable. But if my identity is wrapped up in walking through life with Jesus, it'll be good. It'll be good. So if you're here tomorrow, and I'm not confessing this. I'm using it as an illustration. Not confessing this. <laughs> using it as an illustration. So if you hear tomorrow that Mike had a stroke. And you can't preach for a while. Not confessing this. <laughs> this is an illustration. Don't worry about me. I know who I am. I'll be fine. Some of you are worried now. Come on, quit it. That's not going to happen to me. I'm trying to prove to you that there is a level of life greater than this is, greater than what you do, greater than the crowds or not the crowds, greater than the television cameras. I turned down a television program not long ago. The Lord said, I don't want you to be on it. And a young man that knew about it said, are you crazy? <laughs> I felt like saying, I've often thought that having taken you as a protege. <laughs> but I did. He said, are you crazy? There's millions of people that would have been there. He looked at me. He said, why didn't you go? I said, because the man that's invited me mistreated one of my sons in the faith. And until he makes it right with my son, I won't go to him. God says no. He says, yeah, but man, just think of the exposure of what it could do for your ministry. I said, 
I know who I am. I don't need the TV camera. I'm not going to sit there across a coffee table with a man. If I called his name, everybody here knows him. He's a good man, but he messed with one of my sons. And when he fixes that, I might go, but not until he does. Because my son and I have a relationship. I don't care about his mailing list. I'm trying to quit, but I'm mad now. I don't care about his mailing list. I don't care about his television program. I don't care about the exposure. You did my son wrong. You lied to him. You stole money from him. And I don't care who you are, Reverend Big Shot. You make it right. Because it's not right when it's wrong. And when you do that, call me. He'll probably never call you. I know who I am. I'm trying to get some of you get this cocky anointing. <laughs> oh, that's tough for Canadians. <laughs> y'all, I know what y'all think about us crazy Americans. <laughs> They're so rude. They're so crude. I love coming to Canada, man. You all can teach us about courtesy and politeness. I never heard sorry so much in all my life. I mean, every time I come to Canada, you just walk in the room, sorry. What? 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 You walk through a door, you just walk through the door, sorry. What? what? You not, didn't see you do anything. I mean, it's almost like, you know, sorry. Stop it. Don't be sorry. You're okay. So, sorry. <laughs> so, when I say I want you to have a cocky anointing, I don't mean smart aleck or anything, but I just want you to know who you are in Jesus. And you won't be smart aleck with it when you know who you are because you know the grace of God did it. I got to quit, but I'd like to just teach you all day. It's easy for me to teach you and the angels. Because, and I've got to stop, Lord. Please help me here. I not only know who I am, but as a father, I know who some of you are. And I know some more about who some of you are that I've had a relationship. And I want, I want to know a lot about all of you, but some of you I know better, you know. And some of you have asked me to mentor you and so forth. And I know more about you than you know about you. Well, tell me, tell me, tell me. Go get your own oil. Get your own revelation. I'm going to help you. But if I told you exclusively everything, God gives you sometimes. Olivia, go play the piano. Olivia, run, run. Go play the piano. It'll help me stop. Go play, go play, go play, go play. Hallelujah. She did her first kickboxing today. Can you still play the piano? Play the piano so I can stop. Play the piano so I can stop. Play it louder. Thank you. 
God doesn't always give a mentor or a, a man of God or a woman of God information about you to tell you. Especially if they're spiritual fathers or mothers, they will give information about you for them to know. Not necessarily to tell you, but to pray with you and for you for breakthrough in the next. And that is what God's doing hugely, Brother Nelson and me, right, in a lot of times. And so it's been good to be with you this morning. Thank you for coming. It's been my honor to serve you the Word of God. And, Father, I pray it finds good soil in every heart. I pray, God, the birds of the air will not take away the seed of the Word. I pray that the thorns of the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches will not choke it. I pray, God, that it will not spring up and have no root and then wither and die, but it will be good soil, and it will bring forth 30, 60, and 100-fold. And we'll know who we are in the name of Jesus.